Welcome, everyone, to the triumphant season one finale of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hiya, Pete. So who do I talk to about getting a haircut? (laughs) Uh, Well done, Pete. Tonight, we take a look at the season one finale, episode 122, beginning of the end. And tonight's episode is brought to us by season two of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming this fall on the ABC. Indeed, as I'm sure many people know, it was picked up and we'll be uh, discussing that as well as some other season two goodies uh, later on in the podcast. But with that, Pete, the uh, the end of the season is here. And uh, shall we jump right in? Let's do just that. All right. When we catch you up on what went down in the episode and really what did not go down in this episode, quite a bit of ground to cover in our remaining hour of the season. It really was, and particularly given that uh, a certain argument can be made that season one ended about uh, three quarters of the way through the episode and and the, the bits of season two began after that, if you will. Um, it covered a heck of a lot of ground. Undoubtedly. Uh, we begin in our teaser with uh, what a lot of people had to be looking at their TV. Did I uh, tune into the right channel? Is this Silicon Valley on uh, HBO? What's going on here? Only the name check of Zeller, which we've heard before, and then the pullback to reveal this is the offices of Cybertech we're looking at. Um, and then the quick uh, title card there for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So now we know we are watching the right place. That incentives program will get them every time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they kept referencing it, referencing it. It was a nice payoff when the, uh, you know, when it was revealed uh, what it actually was. In that particular teaser scene, though, it was kind of just a little checking off the box in terms of, oh, okay. Garrett is good at what he does, but Garrett hasn't been there clickety-clack with his keyboard. It's This is a company thing. Everybody has a handler. So this is a one-to-one thing. I thought it was a really nice contextualization of this super soldier thing. And another opportunity to say, you know, Garrett just outsourced the controlling of of, uh, his super soldiers. Smartly cast, though, in that you had an Indian uh, gentleman who is getting the tour there as opposed to the cliched stereotype that the Indian would already be working there. I hadn't thought of that, but I think you're right. And I think um, whether you want to say it's it's manipulative casting, nonetheless, the fact that it was the Indian gentleman there at the, at, you know, to work at at his computer and keyboard type job. Um, it certainly kind of sold the, uh, I don't know, it sold the notion like, Hey, like this, it, this is some tech it thing. What is it they're doing? Is this a flashback? <laughs> Dare I think it's a flash forward. Like where does this fit into the show? It was a nice way to kind of be like, Oh, okay. This fits into some other kind of picture of a story there, but a, a nice tidy scene to get things rolling. Well, with the pent-up anticipation and the way that we left Coulson and what's left of his group at the beginning of this episode last week, um, you know, kind of a way to defray that just a little bit. We pick up with Coulson. Uh, Melinda, don't call me 
the cavalry may, uh, bearing the berserker staff to take out a bunch of uh, I spied um, baddies and uh, sky in tow as well. They take care of everybody. Um, but we quickly realize that Garrett has uh, moved past all this stuff. It doesn't matter to him anymore. He's on another level. He is quickly transcended uh, after being injected with uh, what we can only assume was mostly GH325 in addition to whatever else Reyna had synthesized in the last of that serum last week. And uh, now he really is worried about uh, the universe and not such small things at this point. Pete, you really honed in on that as a line of importance last week. I mean, I think uh, as much as you are both spoiler Pete and brilliant, I think that it was it was a line that stuck with a lot of people. But I know there was a particular area of focus of yours. And I guess I was surprised to the degree that they really took it, particularly in light of where we're going to end up uh, concerning this debrief, um, you know, towards the end of it, as we as we start to look ahead to season two. With that, we pick up with the uh, fate of Fitzsimmons, which we knew ahead of time uh, would not have the amount of uh, drama attached <laughs> to it, given that we saw them on a second viewing mat. It was a little larger than a 20-foot drop. I'll peg it at maybe 50 feet. You know what, Pete? I, I saw that too. I Look, I doubt the show went back and redid the special effects. I was pretty sure it was a much smaller drop last week and maybe I think that's it was just... mental we we projected that okay. we wanted to make it a, a smaller drop nonetheless uh they had sunk to the bottom of the ocean albeit 90 feet so in shallow waters and um really the idea of how they would escape very very much left in doubt um act two in a really rapid fire episode began with uh, how Coulson laid out the plan here to attack Cybertech and to get at Garrett and his Hydra lackeys. Pete, um, you know what the plan of attack is? Attack. Attack. So, um, with Agent Triplet in tow, no backup on the way, and Bob's your uncle, and Fitzsimmons nowhere to be found. Uh, Coulson, Sky, May, and Trip needed to get it done in terms of putting it to Garrett, Ward, and Quinn. And of course, that's kicked off by that you know great rousing speech from Clark Gregg, um, kind of reiterating you know their values, be the ones to swoop in to save the day, to do what is right. And we get that tag from May. Also, we're going to kick some butt. Yes, and that's what she's around for, among other things. <laughs> um, uh, Intercut, I thought, very effectively with the fact that, uh, you know, Fitzsimmons are still trapped at the bottom of the ocean there, so the team is, is not whole. And uh, the outward drama um, of Coulson and his group uh, racing to take care of these bad guys that we still don't fully understand at this point, uh, the scope of their plan, trying to sell super soldiers uh, to the United States government, 
and the inward drama of Fitzsimmons, uh, you know, pondering drowning supposed to be quite pleasant after water fills your lungs. I, I found the two level game pretty effective early in this episode. Yeah. I mean, I went from their first scene. It was like, Oh, they're in this perfectly protected thing. Like I expected. They have plenty of, I don't know, Apollo candy bars and moist towelettes. Like I expected. Oh, he has a broken arm. That tells us he, you know, that they're in a dangerous situation. Wink. Then there's just, you know, their second scene in the box there. It's just, you know, there's that darling line, as you mentioned, this is how life was before you were born, his mother had told him. And then Simmons has all that musing about all the energy that that, that we have inside us that's been in stars. Fitz, of course, mentions Pete, the Fitz monkey. So you're welcome, everyone. Um, (laughs) But that was the turning where it was like, ooh, they're going to treat this seriously. This just isn't going to be like the big boy pants like I was, I was buying it, and I, I and and buying the drama of it, um, a drama that they ultimately carried out to the end of the episode, much to my surprise. That conversation they had there really emblematic of the entire episode, and you listen to it, and you hear the seeds scattered throughout the scope of this series increased exponentially tonight in light of both the involvement of other characters and then where we're left come the final uh, scene of season one. Heavy duty stuff, heavy duty stuff. Cut back to the Cybertech manufacturing facility where Quinn is explaining, we're going to give you soldiers that uh, you'll be able to replace their limbs uh, Trip sets off a noisemaker, effectively bringing the noise and the funk. Um, <laughs> Garrett, who we will examine in detail in the dossier, talks about how uh, the conflict between S.H.I.E.L.D., HYDRA, doesn't matter anymore, that this is the dying breath of an old world. Um, He threatens the general who, as far as I was uh, concerned, never really had a name other than uh, former 24 uh, character (laughs) general. My notes have him as general 24 guy. Yes. Okay. The actor, of course, has a name, but, you know, that's that's what he's known as. And then Garrett reaches inside. I mean, really reaches inside. And as I tweeted, he straight up Kali Mod homeboy uh, took his part and looked like some of his rib out um, <laughs> and told him uh, he uttered the titular line. This is the beginning of the end. Pete going deep on the Lucasfilm references there, by the way. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I thought that it was a it was a brutal killing for the. Look, I'm not offended. Don't get me wrong. I thought that it was brutal for the palate of the show. A lot of that brutality was in your mind. I mean, you never saw his hand inside the general. The most blood you saw before at least he pulled it out, uh, pulled his hand out was, you know, the blood going down his lip. Um, but then just to throw the rib in there, it was like, ooh, like that. that's that's the visual right there to go. This isn't just a, this isn't just a, a bad man. This is a sadist. Yes. Uh, Ward to begin act three stops Reina from uh, 
making off with the gravitonium. Um, and I have to say, if there's one thing I was kind of surprised we did not get in season one here was the reveal that we know for certain or that other characters know for certain that someone is in the gravitonium. Um, at one point, mm. Garrett described it, the ability to look into it, um, you know, the lava lamp uh, that he described um, but not that there's a dude in there, which he must have seen, uh, was a little surprising. Well, we'll discuss that in level seven, Pete. Cause I we, think it's questionable what he knew from the ages and, and, and whatnot, but we'll get to that in level seven for yeah. once I get to keep you on task. Yeah. <laughs> um, May and sky, uh, get to cyber tech. And uh, they take control of Zeller and uh, his call center. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sky then calls Garrett and, uh, you know, plays coy as to what's going on there and what uh, Colson is doing. And Garrett makes sure that he buries the knife, explaining that his that her scientist friends, uh, you know, just didn't make it out alive and she went from tough as nails to i don't know doe-eyed and sad as were we all kind of not not quite clear on on uh the the fate of fitzsimmons at that point garrett then after ward is repeatedly seeking orders orders ward to go get sky um back to simmons and fitz who have uh, a moment there in the uh, in the pod where uh, you know Gemma says you're my best friend and Fitz finally after 22 episodes says you're more than that Gemma. Mm. Yeah, it's a very very powerful scene, incredibly compelling, and in in retrospect, well, I, in retrospect, it, it, they were committing to a goodbye that I, you know, mentally don't really commit to. I don't think they've truly said, and Ian Takakis to everyone, there's the door that said, hey, West Wing fans, ask Moira Kelly what it's like to only be on one season. You never know. Um, that said, I did feel a little silly that despite knowing that Samuel L. Jackson would be in this episode, if only by the credits, and knowing that he's S.H.I.E.L.D., and knowing that he'd be the only one still listening to the S.H.I.E.L.D. frequencies, I still didn't see the save coming, but that's a credit to the fact that the scene is carried by Ian DeCakister and Elizabeth Henstridge so absolutely wonderfully. It's in the moment. It's stopping the rest of the story to just draw you into this drama between these two characters, and it was just just lovely and wonderful and heartfelt, and it, it got a little dust in my eye. <laughs> so Simmons saves Fitz, pulls him to the surface, and then who saves them? What other show on TV... Uh, can reach not once but twice for Samuel Effin L. Jackson, who reaches out, swoops in, and saves our heroes. Now, Pete, that stands for flying, right? It because does. Because he, he's you know got the helicarrier, he's got the snakes on the plane, he's got the Jedi ships and whatnot. He does. He's got <laughs> all that. He's got a gold-plated lightsaber. Indeed. Okay. 
Um, he explains to uh, Simmons that uh, Fitz's uh, brain is uh, safe after it had been deprived of oxygen, that you saved him, that beacon you rigged, ingenious, it helped me find you. Um, so the fate of at least part of our team is uh, determined. May and Ward then finally have their uh, much expected uh, meeting here well, in the finale. Pete, I just have a quick question for you. Yes. And I ask it now because it truly it truly is not a level seven thing. In fact, if anything, I'm trying to uh, to 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 lovingly suggest to some of our listeners, we're welcome to hear all your theories, but maybe this isn't a theory worth chasing down. Pete, uh, Fitz's brain. There's some problem with his brain. Will he be Brainiac next season? He will not. Will That's he be what... the leader because Brainiac is actually a DC property? I mixed him up for a second. Sorry, Geek Cred lost. Will he be the leader with his big giant brain? No, he won't be that either. He'll be uh, Fitz. Oh, okay. Is the so... character he will play. The same one. Uh, just too much going on in this episode to bring him back at the end. I mean, listen, like you said, it, it, it was noticed, but, um, you know, as far as a narrative bridge, he doesn't need to be there in order to kick us into season two. And we get it. You know, he's, he's back recuperating, you know, this is Luke Skywalker in the, in the frigate at the end of empire strikes back. He gets his hand fixed. We move on. Agreed. I don't buy that he's gone for a second. The master of puns that he is, uh, Brett Dalton, uh, in his conflict with uh, Melinda May, first off says there was no strings attached as he's trying to choke her out. Then, of course, she gets in the you were never on top. Okay. And it all ends up with uh, May nailing Ward, which, it, by my count, uh, happened several times this season. <laughs> Bravo, Pete. You were able to, uh, to elevate that quite nicely. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was so wise um, when I said on Twitter, you know, May just nailed Ward. And then I click send. And then at the next commercial break, I go back and look at the different Twitter mentions. And literally everybody made that joke. Um, it, but it was it, there. It was it was there for the picking, of course, and you know I'm sure the writers had a lot of fun with that. Um, there Garrett, for the picking, that's what May thought about Ward. Yes, yes. Garrett and Coulson, you know, a lot of one on ones, uh, as is proper here in this season one finale. Garrett and Coulson have their uh, conflict head to head. And Coulson quickly realizes it's not going to fly when Garrett makes him fly. That was a heck of a hit, too. And, and I don't know. It wasn't surprising outside of the narrative. But in the moment, it was like, oh, man, that's Clark Gregg there. Like, that's our Coulson who's getting flipped around and around and around. Um, don't do that to him. Like, uh, first one second, it was like, they're not going to kill him again, are they? Which, of course, becomes a line about 60 seconds later. Right. Um Fury, however, is right there. And, uh, of course, Coulson uh, lovingly, respectfully refers to him as sir. I thought it was a great line out of Samuel L. Jackson. Um, you know, I'm dressed like I live under a bridge. Cut the sir. Oh, man, that might be a tie-in for once upon a time and he could be a troll. No, not okay. really. 
(laughs) (laughs) But Pete, what crossover moment did Nick Fury uh, bring to us at that moment in the uh, in the narrative? You're going to have to remind me. Well, Pete, that would be what I call just as shorthand, what I call the Loki gun, the gun Mm. last seen when Coulson didn't know what that button does and then, you know, paid the ultimate price for it. The gun that he was ostensibly or ostensibly that was the gun, not just a, you know, another copy of it. I'm sure our pal Mike Sorensen can get in touch with us regarding the nature of Asgardian fire weapons. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Mike. Anyhow, um, I took it as that's just not a gun. It looks like that's the gun that he was holding when he died. And here it is brought back by the guy who brought him back, et cetera, et cetera. Really, really fantastic moment. Yeah. I call my notes the gosh darn Loki gun. The destroyer gun. Yes. Okay. Um, And uh, I have in my notes the I know what it does gun. Yeah, (laughs) definitely a good a good name there, Pete. Uh, It is, of course, not the only big, impressive gun that gets fired off. Uh, what's the next gun that we see shot off, Pete? Well, Deathlock has a little bit of uh, firepower himself. He does, and it's, I mean, I have to say I happened to predict that last week, and then it happened this week. Maybe I'm clairvoyant, um, but that was a nice um, resolution to that arc that that, that uh, Mike Peterson essentially has been a prisoner of Garrett's for all these many episodes, and um, now... You know, once he's able to be free, once his his incentive package has been uh, has been I don't know, tweaked, it uh, it's revenge time, and we get to see Garrett die for good. Or do we? Or do we? I thought that it was a it was a triumphant, splattery end to Garrett, at least end as we understood it at that point. Um, I guess I was imagining there was a little bit more watermelon smashing action there. <laughs> um, I don't know if the, I don't know if the, well, the bit to come with Garrett, I won't ruin the the recapping of the narrative here yet, but I don't know if that was maybe added at a later point. But um, I must say, I hate, I hate to see Paxton go, but I was glad to see that they gave Garrett that particular ending, that it was, um, well, you're you're going way ahead, man. We're talking uh, Garrett death number one in well, this episode. I, yeah, I mean, I guess. Well, that's that's when these thoughts came pouring out because I thought he was he was done. then, um, but I'll, I'll, then I'll, I'll hold back there because indeed he was ultimately not uh, not dead at that point. But um, a nice first end to Garrett. How about that? He learned something. <laughs> He learned what a pair of size 12s on the face feels like. Yes. So three quarters of our way through the hour uh, seems as if most of the storytelling is done. And as you astutely said, Matt, now it's it's groundwork for what comes next. We have the requisite scene where Coulson and May confront the now captive Ward in what, by my count, is episode two in his redemption arc uh, to working his way back, I'm going to say, by episode seven of season two, where he is trusted again in some way, shape, or form. Uh, May has had her chance to express her feelings. Uh, She's hoping to invent new ways to do this, uh, as is Coulson. Uh, one being the uh, 
really the mental torture that uh, Coulson wants to subject Ward to and the justice and the other in May being the rough justice. Coulson is such a, um, I was going to say passive, that's the wrong word, but he's such a pleasant character. He's such a congenial character. He obviously, as we all know, is born out of being the everyday worker, the, you know, huh, here we go, some giant robot. Is this one of Stark's halt in the name of S.H.I.E.L.D.? You know, kind of that slightly bored with some of some of the more otherworldly goings on. Um, but he's also obviously a very accomplished company man, somebody who's, you know, trusted very high up. To see him so kind of in control of his emotions, but just like, yep, you're going to hurt, and you're going to hurt a lot, and this is serious, and I don't need to yell, and I don't need to punch, and I don't need to emote in a way that Melinda May does, but this is going to really be awful for you. And guess what? Too bad nobody's here to save you. There is no backup. I think it really underscores both the growth and the amount that Phil Coulson has been through this season. And then in concert with what we see later in the episode, which is going to be delved into um, in our level seven segment, um, it really puts things in perspective. Deathlock then with Sky, the way uh, Mike Peterson began the season, um, you know, sees his son Ace from afar reunite with uh, his mother or his aunt. I wasn't quite sure who that was there. Um, his, but lady, he, his lady caretaker who loves him very much. Yeah, he uh, Deathlock says he's he doesn't want to uh, have his son see what he's become. Um, so clearly, though, Peterson has been able to swing the pendulum back to the good side. There is the difficulty that he's going to face. Uh, he's become increasingly more machine than man. Um, so. With Garrett grabbing back on to uh, a, a gurney at 50 minutes past the hour, um, suddenly slapping on robot legs. Uh, he, of course, having been been put in the coffin or the body bag or whatever with eyes yes. open, which I think was that's immediately was all oh, all oh, you think, oh, yes. you know, then then. Then, oh, obviously they're committing to him being the season two bad guy now. Right. There's a reason why we say cut off the head. And no sooner does he get that out, Coulson, very matter-of-factly, with the plasma cannon, our third gun, um, blows him up in a, you know, you wanted to talk splattery death. I thought <laughs> that was a particularly splattery death. And even then, I'm not completely convinced, given what Garrett had injected into him, that we've seen the last of him. Or you think there might be a T2 Uzi pieces coming back together? I don't know. I, I, we just don't know. <laughs> I think that I think that if it is their intention to have, you know, to, to, to conclude the Garrett storyline, which I think is probably in the best interests um, of the show to just sit and say he was the big bad guy, actually for every single episode this season, at least as, or, you know, at least connected to it. Cause everything was either Cybertech or the clairvoyant or Garrett. And I know the clairvoyant is Garrett, but like everything fits under those three umbrellas, right? Pete. Um, 
Or well, I guess there was I the mean, Thor tie-in. I, okay, yeah. maybe not everyone. There were a couple, you know, but but certainly most of the season he had a hand in. Let that be season one. I I read it as the splatter effect is saying we just cut off the head and everything else. He's now a big pile of goo. Thank you, season one. Goodbye. Let's find out who the big bad is for next season. <laughs> Which there's a coda. That yeah, we, we we may have that bad guy coming right now. Yeah. There's a coda that needed to take place uh, after everything's been dealt with between Coulson and Fury. I thought it was fitting that May was involved in this. Um, we know the events post uh, Captain America Winter Soldier in that, uh, you know, Director Fury faked his death a second time and headed to Europe to try to track down more of uh, these Hydra people and whoever's causing problems uh we get the tip of the hat there that you know this is the last time you're gonna see me for a stretch i.e late in season two or i'll see in avengers age of ultron currently filming now in london but um they stop short of full disclosure on the colson tahiti stuff and i'm okay with it we're gonna really digest it uh, in its full detail in level seven. But I thought Fury gave us enough of the machismo mumbo jumbo, you know, listen, this was a break glass in case of emergency thing. This was to save an Avenger. Um, you know, there was something about a hand. And then the line was, you know, I'm not afraid to cut off some fingers. Okay. But guys like Coulson, he explains, you're the heart of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now I want you to be the head. He gives him this cube, which he describes as a toolbox. And then he says, it's up to you now, director, in what I thought was a great passing of the baton. Indeed, it was there. I can only assume is your your inclusion of Clark Gregg in Avengers two, if only in a, you know, in a, in a small capacity. Just, you know, meanwhile, back in back in Helicarrier 2 or, you know, wherever we're at a year from now. Um, I did wish that maybe they did something a bit more with the toolbox. Like, even if it was like he opens it up and goes, whoa. Just like something where it's like, we get that it looks like it's a tiny box. I'm not saying we need to completely understand everything, but just kind of like to sell us more on the mystery as opposed to like, Larry, the prop guy, made this, and <laughs> we need to finish up. So go act and action, well, you know. Well, what does it give us? It gives us access to what is called the playground by what immediately we think is an old friend and come to learn it is not. It is not Agent Eric Koenig, but instead Billy Koenig opening the doors for all sorts of stuff in a little bit. Colson had gotten so. So you say I, I'm going to go for the the, the the easiest answer, but yes, well, Bill W. Koenig. Glad to see, glad to see William Walter Koenig here. Yes. Um, so the coordinates were in the box. Um, yet another. Uh, seen there towards the end after our team uh, and Simmons are reunited at the rear of the bus. Uh, Sans fits, of course. 
featured Reina entering a room. There was a man who we only ever saw from the rear, uh, put a picture of sky down. Um, he seemed as if he was covered in blood. Absolutely. That hand and, was definitely covered in blood. Yes. And then, uh, Raina said, I've found your daughter. Now who would be covered in blood? And, and that's where my head is spinning. And I don't know if we have, uh, the bits to really put this together at this point. Nor do I, um, Certainly, it was nice. Look, it was nice to get um, the ball moved a bit on the Sky Dad storyline. I have no problem that it's going to continue on to the next season. I never fully accepted Jeff Loeb at his, you know, smart alecky comment that you know we're going to resolve everything by the end of the season. We're not going to take six seasons to find out it was all whatever. Um, this is a good show. Yeah, don't hold us off forever for something like Tahiti. Like I think. We have most of that answer. Like, what was the process behind it? It was this thing. It brought him back. It rebooted his brain. Like, we have 90%. If the other 10% is going to propel us to future seasons, to future connections, whatever it might be, great. Same thing with Sky. Compelling character. Character who's gone from the interesting, cute outsider to, you know, we don't like her, to, hey, she's one of the team. We don't need every answer here. Like, let's not run out of story um, for the sake of saying, stick with us. We want to resolve everything. I'm going to save my prediction for that for level seven. Ooh. Our secret scene begins with Coulson sleeping on the bus. He gets up and now being the director, uh, of course, can go through the storeroom here. We see the hieroglyphics that um, Garrett had drawn after the injection of the GH325. We see... Uh, you know, lit up blue technology of the plasma weapon. He takes a knife and in a dialogueless scene, then recreates the hieroglyphics on a wall, uh, ending in a long shot. And uh, we have to continue to remain more than a little bit worried about what's going on in the old noggin of Agent Phil Coulson, of Director Phil Coulson. Hieroglyphics first seen all the way back in I Spy, showing that while I don't fully commit to the idea that every twist and turn this season was all planned, showing they've had a long-term plan and and one that can go back to I Spy, you know, from I Spy all the way into next season. So fun yes, stuff ahead. You are referring to the alien hieroglyphics first glimpsed in the Tartaroff building. Um that may be as guardian or other in nature. Indeed. If only we had aliens ahead, Pete, but Pete, I think we have our next segment ahead. The dossier. Okay. Detailed look at our bad guys here. We'll go in order of appearance. Zeller. Yes, Pete. What can you tell us about dear Mr. Zeller? Well, you know, some guys have to be big bad guys and some people need to keep the lights on in the corporate call center. And he really is the latter. Uh, other than being used later by uh, Sky to gain access to Mike Peterson's captive son 
and there was some speculation that he may have been strapped with a gamma radiation bomb um, on Twitter. But uh, I, I thought that was a little bit more tongue in cheek because it was the Hulk in the bag. Yeah, uh, I I couldn't tell whether we were being facetious. You know, I'm I'm taking notes. I'm uh, I'm looking at the feed. I'm watching the TV and doing three things at once. Uh, so there was the Hulk doll, of course, and a nice callback to the pilot. Um, yeah, yeah. Ace, of course, being like any other child of the world of Shield and being obsessed with superheroes before understanding that his father pretty much dabbles in that realm. Um, Garrett, of course, continuing from last week, but a much different Garrett than we've seen to this point. Okay. Um, He talks about getting some numbers down and draws the, uh, the hieroglyphics on the bus uh, you know, plexiglass. This, of course, after completely lifting off another door from its hinges with his bare hands. And he talks about an uprising. Ward, meanwhile, thinks Garrett is losing it. Yeah, and, and there was much from uh, from Garrett's presentation in this episode, as well as Paxton's performance, Um I kept going back and forth. I felt that the episode wasn't clear, and I mean that as a compliment, whether he was um, oozing wise craziness or oozing crazy wisdom. Um, obviously, there's something to these hieroglyphics. We've seen them previous. We would see them after he he drew them. Um, you know, there, there was a wild-eyed aspect to Paxton where, you know, I'm not quite... I'm not ready to commit to him as super genius. You know, I mean, shoot somebody up with cocaine or LSD or whatever, and they'll tell you they've un- you know uncovered the secrets of the universe, and apparently they haven't. Uh, I do want to mention, Pete, since we are on the dossier, and uh, I want to call out Garrett on some particularly nefarious behavior. I couldn't help but notice that uh, when he was uh, talking to Reyna, um, and, and, you know, the whole, you know, humanity clawed out of the sea kind of thing, um, when he mentioned that humanity then wanted to put down roots, he kind of looked flowers up and down there. Yeah, I got a little bit of that vibe. Um, with the whole thing with Raina, um, and this scene was let out earlier in the week, um, you know, what will I become? And now she's following Garrett. So we've attached some kind of special nature to her, um, but really have nothing other than statements attributed to her to back that up at this point. So we don't know if that's talk or if she is in some way connected to the kind of ability it's believed Sky has as an 084. Um, But, you know, that conversation where Garrett is saying, you know, he, he can see her soul and, uh, you know, again, the, the power of the universe. I think it's, you know, teasing of the possibilities of season two. We knew what season one had to be. It had to further establish a world we were already familiar with 
and and we know the main players, but to fill it out on a week-to-week basis. We knew getting in this more than a year ago, you're not going to see Tony Stark. You're not going to see Captain America. We'll see people have been around them, but we're not going to see them. So we've built up all season these particular characters. You know, Garrett in a half dozen episodes, Reyna in the same, and now to have this cryptic, if necessary, discussion between them um, and what the next step in evolution, both of this show and of these characters is, it has to happen. I read an interesting little tidbit today that that I think is a good way to kind of recognize the show maybe leaving itself the, the space to make that decision later on. And basically it was um, that when when the West Wing was headed into its first season, there also was another show I think called Third Watch that was like police, fire, and uh, first aid. And when they went to go meet with the network or the studio or someone, Third Watch had five big poster boards filled with color-coded you know, blue is police and red is fire. And here's what, here's how they're all going to interact. And then for West Wing, it was like, all right, I have, I'm just going to share with you what's in my head. I have no, I don't even have it on paper. I'm just going to share, you know, what's in my head. It's all about the talent of these writing rooms. It's all about the talent of the showrunner. And to say, we want more Reyna. She's an interesting character. She's a great actress. She could, you know, provide both an ongoing story and an avenue into a different baddie. They don't need it figured out right now in order for it to be really good later on. Um, and, and I guess time will tell. Yes, definitely. Um, last thing I'll really say about, um, you know, our characters in the dossier here. When it comes to Ward, there was the idea that was thrown out tonight. Some people are born evil, I guess. Sky says, and then she talks about Ward's weakness, which was a motif last week. Um, and now Ward will be having to get along without Garrett. We know Garrett is very much to blame for the manipulation that took place with Ward. Did Ward do bad things? Absolutely. Matt. What did Sky do before she was an agent of Shield? Uh, wasn't she like a hacktivist? Yeah, and like she's never done anything bad. Granted, not well, killed people. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. I was going to say let's let, let's just flash over to some to some other some other show that, that that will never see the light of day called like you know I don't know Jeff Smith security guard of Shield. And he was really happy to be a security guard at like the Shield prison. You know, it paid well. It was a little dangerous at times, but he believed in what he was doing. Uh, he, he was working on a good pension. And then one day, these two agents of Shield came along. It was like, "Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. Let's take you down in the the elevator." And um, our security guard never went home. And now there's like, you know, a, a mother pregnant, uh, you know, saying. You know, my child will not grow up with a daddy. Like, that's what Ward did. If Sky wants to be like, oh, I just put the Snowden documents online. I just I just hacked the Twitter account of, like, multi-bank corp. And I'm going to say poopy pants on there. Like, it's to- two totally different things. Yes, we saw Wilty Ward. We saw him going, but wait, I don't want to be this bad. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Yes, Ron, what I think we can safely assume is the road towards redemption, but 
it's going to take a while. This guy has blood on his hands in a major way. And seven episodes, seven episodes until he's trusted again. Count them down, which which would be a good bit of timing, considering we have a certain idea what the schedule will be. But we're not there yet. We're not. With that, Pete, shall we keep this this uh, train a moving? Yep. All right, it's time to analyze and theorize. Uh, first item on the agenda, Matt, Gravitonium. Um, I will admit I was surprised that they went to the trouble to retrieve it, to pay for those wonderful special effects, flawless special effects, um, and not use it this season. Um, I wonder if it's perhaps a little note of, um, uh, I don't want to say arrogance, but, but, but confidence from the writers by my memory, that episode was one of the weaker ones, um, at least in my, you know, in my book and to kind of say, no, this is important. This is, this isn't just going to be some sort of, you know, haha reference to, you know, we made a reference to, to Graviton and we're going to move on from there. Uh, the fact that they're gonna do something with that in season two, uh, because they went to the trouble to pack it up and take it out, uh, it's nice to me. It shows a certain confidence. Like, yeah, we made an episode about this guy, and it wasn't great. His story arc is gonna be great. Stick with us. See you next season. Um, he's presumably still in there, and it's just kind of on on pause until the whatever happens. I think. It's one of two possible trajectories. A, of course, being that the producer's plan changed. We spent a lot of speculation earlier in the season when we would see that again. And when, because it's called Gravitonium, the character known as Graviton would emerge from it that we know is in there. Um, Then the flip side of the coin would be B, they really had a good thing going with Garrett. Why overcrowd the bad guy situation by making him and the turn with Ward and the return of Peterson as Deathlock and Reyna and the clairvoyant all have to share the screen with Graviton. So I think they very wisely squirreled that away for season two. I mean, here's an alternative storyline. You get the sense from the network that you're not getting picked up past the first 13 episodes of season one. That's a handy bring back of yep. Graviton has escaped and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, if you do want to say, oh, we didn't have a full season to show you it's all connected. So let's just connect back to that. Um, yeah, I think it's a nice it's a nice thing in their pocket. Do they need to return to it? You know, episode 201? Absolutely not. Do I expect it by episode 220? Yeah. Uh, and when you get there, you get there. And, uh, you know, we'll look forward to it. Pete, here's a smaller level seven question. Uh, and I say this almost with a note of disappointment. Uh, reference was made to how our good guys would find the bus in New Mexico. You know, Pete, there was once a hammer of the gods found in New Mexico. Of all the places to pick in the world you go for in New Mexico, and there's like not a Thor connection at all. Like then why New Mexico? Um, because that part of California looks New Mexico-y. <laughs> like I don't know. I, I I was a little curious that they were so specific to a place that 
that that that was iconic at the end of Iron Man two, and you know, critical to Thor. Out of all the, again, out of all the places in the world, you could call that little hilly valley area where the you know the, the exteriors were. You could call it anywhere you want. Call it you know Upper Kobrakistan for all I care. Um, any thoughts there? I think it's a situation where they said, okay, we've got sand and, uh, yeah, New Mexico connection to Colson in the past. Um, to be honest, if it hadn't been pointed out, I wouldn't have, um, made the connection because it happened so quick. Uh, yeah, I just think it was, uh, something if, if not forced, just kind of tacked on. Sometimes simplicity is the soul of narrative. And Pete, that leads to the next level seven thing, at least my take on it. Bill Koenig, twin, right? Well, we could say twin, but we could also float the very self-same theory a lot of people had about Agent Coulson, that he was uh, what's known as a life model decoy or an MLD. Um, you know, LMD. a lot... A lot of, uh, you know, ink and breath was spilt over um, Pat Oswalt's death uh, a couple episodes ago at the hands of Agent Ward. But Matt, if he killed not a twin, but instead some kind of strange clone robot hybrid thing. <laughs> mm, how much quicker does the redemption arc move up? That's at least five episodes worth of redemption there. You killed a thing and not a oh, person. Oh, wow. Bravo, Pete. Bravo. Because I was fully prepared to argue. Look, here's what I was going to say before you shared all that. Ultimate proof that we don't script this ahead of time. Um. At least you'll make people believe that. Well, man. absolutely. Um, here's what I was going to argue for. They're making us think life model decoy because they're tweaking us with the same button. It's a little bit like, it's a little bit a friendly way throwing back the Colson theory in our face and to get us all talking on the same discussion again, so on and so forth. When you can just easily, a couple episodes in, go, yeah, sure miss my twin. It would have been our birthday next month. Um, <laughs> but you're right. If he killed... If this is some sort of, you know, as you say, like, you know, like friendly term or not, as you say, you didn't say this, but to, to build on what you said, if it's some sort of like friendly Terminator, you know, with robot bones and, you know, reconstituted skin over it. Yeah. Then I guess Ward, I mean, cause look, nobody's really going to be concerned. Like Ward killed some security guards, some other guys. Well, Matt, what happens when those security guards are revealed to be of the same technology? Oh man. They're all, this is all a prequel to uh, Star Wars and IG-88. <laughs> <laughs> different different Disney franchise there. Hey, you know what? Okay. Listen, listen. Patton Oswald is there for one reason. Not there for one reason. Patton Oswald, as far as I'm concerned, was cast for one reason. To lend credence to the fact that the Ultraverse that he improved about on, on that famous yes. Parks and Rec, um, that it will come to pass one day. Well, that and the fact that he narrates the show, at least for this season of TV, directly after it in the Goldbergs. Does he really? He does. He is the narrator of the Goldbergs. Uh, you know what, Pete? I'll have to watch more of the Goldbergs, but 
I would highly advise it. <laughs> Matt, Pete, I have I have I have a question for you. Since you're spoiler Pete here, you've you've already uh I I don't want to bring up a, a sore point here. You did happen to get, you know, get arrested as you after you broke into the writer's room and and took pictures of the the whiteboard set up for season 2. Garrett, did he download a sort of alien virus uh you know, which is making him um spew out these numbers um a la uh, the way I think we we can feel Colson did or is Garrett truly smart? He talks about the connection and the bond they had. He even used the phrase blood brothers with Coulson, mm. obviously referring to the GH325. Whatever Coulson got a dose of, he had a purified version. Um, Garrett had a bastardized form of that. So obviously that speaks to the archetypal nature uh colson having the good garrett being the shadow not having uh the better stuff they both have been exposed to whatever allows them to do this strange alien drawing math thing um clearly not meant for us to know the full scope of for this season but I'm willing to bet it's going to pop up uh, in August. Yeah, I think that to see it in Guardians of the Galaxy is only reasonable. Now where it doesn't quite jive fully is the notion that so little of that movie is going to take place on Earth. And that'll be with the younger, uh, uh, Chris, you know, a younger version of the Chris Pratt character. Um so is it in the background and then it's been inserted into that movie somewhere so it can then come back to the show or it does it play a larger role? Um, I guess time will tell. It's one of those things where we really don't have enough knowledge about the different pieces of the MCU. And I'm sure that when we get to uh, when we get to decrypted transmissions, some people will have some thoughts in terms of, you know, their their greater knowledge of Marvel Comics. But just within the MCU, we don't quite have enough to, to make a call at this point. Would you agree, Pete? We don't. And that's entirely intentional. Um, Matt, Raina talks about becoming. What is she becoming? She's becoming a woman. No, uh, <laughs> I don't She's know. She's flowering? <laughs> she, ooh, wow, it's all a metaphor. I'll tell you this, and I'm not trying to be saucy, dear listeners. She had the, what I'll call the... Um, Hello there, fella. Eyes. There's another word that I won't use, but it was definitely like it was like holy cow. This lady can turn on the charm. Um, I they was were shooting I'm, her differently in this episode. Yeah. I noticed as well, and it's got to be intentional with a nod of where they're taking this. Yeah, I think they kind of shot her from above a bit more, so that when she looks up, you see the the, the eyes more. So I, I was. I was taken by the character in, in, in a way, kind of just even beyond the whole, you know, hey, Pete, she sure is hot. Like, though there is that, don't get me wrong. Um, I just felt like this was a different flavor for the character. And I almost got the feeling that it was like, uh, you know, I, I, pardon me for not knowing the actress's name off the top of my head, but I almost felt like it was like the day before they're like, hey, update to the script. Uh, take a look because 
uh, we're also going to send over a messenger to sign a contract to recur in season two because we got plans for you. It almost was like a new level of energy that the actress was imbuing into the character. But right, I think she's, I, we, she we have said, great stuff ahead for her. She said the world was going to change. Um, she also, for the second straight episode, teased Ward with uh, Sky's true nature, the details about her parents, and the really undersold line, you know, maybe you can be monsters together. So that's where Ward is going to reconnect with Sky. That's the um, the part of the door they've left open. He's been exposed to information about her that she hasn't. So initially it's going to be the icy... You're a bad man. You you shot, you know, Bob and Steve in the face in the elevator at the fridge. Oh, wait, but you know stuff about me? Well, I didn't know Bob and Steve. And now, you know, they might be robot clones like Koenig. So tell me more, Grant. (laughs) Yeah, they gave us a bunch of a bunch of different threads to play with heading into season two i'm i think i maybe i was expecting a little bit more of a big wow at the end but perhaps that was unfair um i'm set for september here the point i floated earlier about um sky's father the man we saw seemed soaked in blood um in a guarded room it's all i'm gonna tell you that's the abomination. Wow. So when Tim uh. Roth is on the right, Tim Roth. Yep. 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 Okay. Uh, when uh, agent Blonsky uh, is on the show next year as a big bad. There you go. That would be really interesting. Cause I think you could get Tim Roth. Um, that's that's you know what Pete put it in the books. That's an interesting interesting take there. Hashtag spoiler Pete. But Matt, you had some stuff you wanted to get to about season two and Agent Coulson. Indeed, just wanted to reiterate the news that, uh, as I'm sure all our, all our listeners know, Agents of Shield was picked up for season two. Uh, also picked up uh, Marvel's Agent Carter uh, was added to the schedule. This is the first time the show has gone from a DVD extra to a series with no pilot. Uh, now you might be saying, well, wait, there was a, you know, the whole Colson DVD stuff. Yes, but that had its own pilot, of course. Um, at this moment, uh, Haley Atwell is the only member of the cast. Uh, I wondered if that would change throughout the day as, you know, today is also the day that ABC did its upfront presentations to advertisers. Um, I know that with, uh, with, um, uh bradley whitford uh having been on um trophy wife which (laughs) just about now-ish has actually stopped airing because it's uh (laughs) wasn't picked up again so i wonder if he'll be brought over for um you know to resume his role from the agent carter uh, one shot um reference has been made by abc to agent carter you know uh doing jobs for working for howard stark uh do you go and get that actor um, a lot of questions are out there. Uh, Pete, 
there's should, should we answer one question that our listeners might have about uh our our view our take of agent carter absolutely we are going to be uh podcasting it uh and we'll certainly have more information as uh you know as the summer as the summer unfolds but part of what will make that kind of possible because i think initially i was like pete we can't do two shows at the same time there's not enough hours in the day hours in the week but listeners here's the abc schedule for next year it's what we're essentially calling the marvel hour that will be tuesdays at nine on abc there'll be the fall premiere of agents of shield presumably sometime in september um then mid-season at that time slot there's going to be the debut of agent carter um then what abc calls the winter premiere of agents of shield will occur so pete let's just spend one minute discussing scheduling how are they going to achieve all of that are we going to have some two-hour episodes thrown in there maybe we'll have slightly less episodes of agents of shield you know maybe 10 agents of shield 12 agent carter then 10 agent of shield what do you think is ahead of us for that uh that particular bit of drama um initially i really felt we would have an ordinary 22 episode run of agents of shield split once the the news was firmed up about agent carter um getting a run um that we'd have 11 episodes of agents of shield that we would have a seven episode season of agent carter and then um, a la the modified, you know, AMC cable model, you'd get a second, um, you know, nearly identical block of episodes. So another 11 episodes. I'm not so sure it's going to work that way. I know you have thoughts on the subject. Well, I think ultimately here's the bottom line. Looking at all the shows that ABC has canceled and every network has canceled, it makes sense to guarantee roughly a 2.0 rating maybe the ratings go up i'm sure that's their hope but even if they don't to guarantee a 2.0 rating each and every single week in that time slot to say no reruns and to get the butts in the seats the eyeballs staring at the tv to do that for for all these many many weeks in a row and obviously we could assume some sort of you know december january you know three weeks off something like that but that just makes the most sense for them financially, as opposed to doing some other show that's not do, that's doing even worse that you have to cancel and then fund a new show, et cetera, et cetera. So, I personally think they just want to make this hour profitable. I personally am of the view that they're going to do something like slightly less episodes for Agents of Shield, so that it's not really twenty-two episodes plus twelve episodes of Agent Carter. They're going to just cut back that total there by a couple of by a couple of episodes perhaps i'm assuming on the agents of agents of shield end but it might be the other way as well either way it's this is really exciting it's a great way to get these two shows on the air at the same time pete we've talked a lot about you know during the during the highest point of star trek having multiple tv shows on Ooh, this one i like better than that one it kind of ends up being fighting within the family this way there is no agents of shield if you want your marvel stuff you got to watch Agent Carter for its run. Simple as that. I, I like that. I really do. If they're smart and we know that they are, um, again, there will be enough between the two of them in terms of connective tissue. We know 
what the overall plan is. The Marvel TV shows now, um, and soon to add Daredevil to that in 2015 through Netflix, are going to have from uh, August 2nd uh, through May whatever, when Avengers Age of Ultron premieres, to have the spotlight to themselves. And that's going to be a really, really interesting thing to allow them to grow outside of the shadow or the shade of these enormous tentpole movies and at the same time to build into them. We saw synergy done on an unprecedented level in that they built to the Captain America Winter Soldier reveal of Hydra having infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, whatever you want to peg the number at, um, the mind boggles at what kind of things we're looking at over the next 12 months. It really does. It's it's a bright, bright future for Marvel television, uh, for Marvel movies, and uh, it's been quite a first season. It has indeed. With that, Pete... Uh, let's see what some other people think. Okay, let's check the wire, Matt. All righty, Pete. This first email uh, comes from our pal Mike Sorensen, uh, who, in a nice little bit of uh, bit of um, I don't know a, a story arc, if you will, sent us an email entitled "The Gun Stuff" from One Twenty One Ragtag. You might recall that Mike uh, educated us, edumacated us about guns uh, all the way back in the I Spy episode. Anyhow, uh, Mike says this, listening to the podcast and wanted to chime in on the discussion about the handgun versus shotgun scene and give my two cents worth on it. Uh, I had nothing to do with the guns. The issue in that scene wasn't awe uh, from Ward over Garrett's marksmanship. Ward's reaction was over having a gun pointed at his chest. And then the oh-so-serious TV movie trope of cocking the gun to show, I'm really serious, um, by this guy's that was complimenting him one second after leaving him out in the woods for a year and a half. In other words, towards way of thinking, he was being threatened by an A1 nut boy, to quote a superhero movie that turns 25 this year. Uh, 25, uh, yeah, turns 25 this year. The other thing, the reason Ward was scared, not awed, was because action always beats reaction. Yeah, he had his shotgun in hand, but it was pointed down and away from Garrett. If he'd thought to bring it around, Garrett could have killed him before he completed the move. The scene wasn't about guns or marksmanship. It was about Ward still having no idea what this Garrett guy was about and Garrett testing Ward's reactions to different stressors, which I think is a great observation there. But, he says, for the record... Matt is right. Handguns take a hell of a lot more work to be a dead shot versus a rifle. What Garrett did was cute, but it was all at close range, so it's not quite as impressive as it first appears. But with a short-barreled revolver, it was still some nice shooting. That's just secondary gun guy talk, though it doesn't really have any impact on the scene. So Pete... I just like that Mike said I was right, to be quite honest, and that, that we had a... we. You know, you and I, as guys that are not uh, not not gun folks, that we still had a still had a good handle on the scene. Listen, I support the right to bear arms, and that's why I am trying to acquire a bear 
so that I might have its arms. Excellent. All right. Pete, this next email comes from Paul, who sent it a couple days ago. So I'll kind of I'll kind of parse his words a bit here. Um, he was concerned about there not necessarily being enough story to wrap up everything that he was hoping would be wrapped up. Um, he mentioned uh, wanting to know more about Sky's ability and origin. Obviously, going to be going to be covered in season two. Um, he felt that we should have at least seen a hint for powers by now. I'm kind of inclined to agree with him. Um, he also was hoping that we'd have some of her monster side come out in the final showdown, uh, which, of course, we did not. Um, also, he mentions rather uh, presciently, given that this was written a couple days ago, will Agent Garrett survive this season? Bill Paxton was only signed for a certain number of episodes, but since he's in the finale and already has received the GH325, is it possible he could return the next season? Um, wise indeed, since there was a moment where it seemed that they were going down that uh going down that very road there uh lastly i'll mention from paul uh yeah from paul he says uh this one last speculation is based off a recent interview on superhero hype with clark greg talking about the finale in there he states quote there are a couple of things that happened in the season finale that blew my mind and suggests the direction of what might be happening in season two i didn't understand that uh the level of treachery would reach into my own team i think it really it's really cool that it does um so of course there was you know the notion of uh the ward stuff there as paul points out um and then he was wondering if there would be a huge weed and curveball i think pete we have the potential uh at least i don't know at least um for what we've been offered up we have the potential that Fitz is dead, even though we're not really buying it. There's the potential there for that that curveball oh yeah i mean there's a lot of directions you can go they don't have to please the fan base. They have to continue the narrative. And that's a great thing to not have to be tethered to. Um, so again, understand that my prediction that, uh, you know, Sky's dad is the abomination is, you know, but that, uh, you know, throwing a, a dart at the wall. Maybe it sticks. Maybe I miss. But Matt, I don't miss. That is that is definitely true. Um, next up, we have an email from Agent Michelle, who says, uh, holy crap, right? I do think this episode suffered a little bit from Bo syndrome. Got to wrap it up. Uh, but still, quite an acceleration we got there. I'm trying not to be worried sick about Fitz, but ugh, it's so hard. I still sway towards a fondness for the platonic between him and Simmons. They have to admit that they sold me a bit on the Box of Love confession. Great name, Michelle, by the way. Um, though uh, props to the writers, he never actually said, I love you, which is good, because those exact words are sort of meaningless currency on TV now. Should, Pitts, uh, should Fitz pull through, please, it will be extremely interesting to see how the classic Fitzsimmons dynamic changes, um, both in response to the L word and the new limitations which Fitz uh, may heartbreakingly experience. Michelle goes on to say, I was not super pleased with the Reign of War dialogue. Sky despises me. Wherefore is mine handkerchief? <laughs> um, but I am so, 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 and she goes on, so, 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 happy that Ward stayed bad in this episode. Ha ha, spoiler Pete. Okay, I left my dignity around here somewhere. Pete, to what does our great friend of the podcast refer? That she lost her dignity? 
Well, no, she's because you and her had a little difference of opinion. Yeah, and I'm right. <laughs> yeah, well, not all our listeners know <laughs> that. I just wanted to highlight it. Without, I want to. I want to get to her uh, to her Fitzsimmons point. I'll go right for the jugular there. Um, so oh, I was uh, we'll, right. We'll pause her words. Yeah, I I was right with Ward, and you know everybody knew that was coming anyway. So with the Fitzsimmons stuff, and that Fitz showed the courage to finally express how he felt in the box o love, I like it too. Um, With uh, Simmons, um, you know, having seen the scripts through episode two of season two, I can tell you that because (laughs) of his amnesia and the brain injury, that scene gets wiped away. (laughs) an interesting prediction question mark um anyhow michelle goes on to say i'm really really pleased they didn't try and redeem ward tonight would have been cheap it would have been bad writing and would have ticked me off at this point i'm even more than happy to entertain a several seasons long redemption arc in spite of those bits of misogyny Uh, but i'm totally wearing my i was right cap on this one says michelle Michelle starts to wrap up and says, also, Nick Fury is the boss of everything, though I guess he isn't any longer, and Coulson is, except he's actually being mind-controlled by aliens or something. Either way, not exactly a heartwarming smash to end season one, but damned if it didn't make my fingers tingle. Lastly, she says, I can't think of anything else, but, if, uh, but I'm sure there's more. Well, we've got time. Actually, Pete, she just sent an, uh, a follow-up email of one sentence. Also, I don't know about you guys, but the first law of thermodynamics was not what I had in mind for a Fitzmonkey. With that, Pete, let's move on to another friend of the podcast. Uh, this is a message from our pal in the UK, Ian. And uh, he took the time to uh, record us a little uh, recording. So here we go. Hi, Matt and Pete. I thought it was time my voice was heard. Literally, though, not in a protest sort of way. First, I just want to say thanks for hosting the Agents of Shield podcast. It's been a real treat to listen to you discussing each episode and also the Marvel movies. I certainly know a lot more about what is happening than if I was trying to work it all out for myself. <laughs> it's been really great to see the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast develop and become more widely known over the course of the season. As for the show itself, it has definitely grown, changed and adapted while still retaining the original concept of what we were sold when it all started. Yes, the Hydra plot has turned things through a very sharp corner, but the, the groundwork for everything that has happened recently was uh, set in those early episodes. And whether you think it's all been retrofitted or was planned, it has worked out very nicely, in my opinion. I mentioned in an email a while ago about Captain America. that I thought I cared more about the show's characters than I did about the movie characters. I thought about that statement and revised it slightly. I love the whole Marvel Universe that we're being presented with on the S.H.I.E.L.D. and Avengers side of the franchise, anyway. And the lack of our TV agents in Captain America and Thor, even just a small cameo, left me feeling slightly let down, as they've been the main focus for so many months. However, I do hold out hope that Avengers Age of Ultron will make the wait to see them on the big screen pay off, especially with Season 2 leading up to it. Wait, did I say Season 2? Yes, I did. Just heard the news today, and although listeners to the podcast won't be surprised, as you've both been saying it will happen all along, the news is really pleasing for everyone involved. And I can finally season finale of a TV show this year without worrying about it being renewed. <laughs> uh, I also heard about the Asian Carter series being picked up and then watched again the one-shot video that was a mini pilot. I just hope the full series doesn't involve Carter forever walking up to the bad guys and kicking them in the gentleman's area 
<laughs> whatever happens with those two shows and the other Marvel content coming out over the next year, I'm sure you'll both be around to keep us informed and up to date. So it's back to where I started to say thanks for taking the time to produce the podcast. Until the next time, hail... Oh, wait, sorry, that's the other guys. Until the next time, remember, it's all connected, so don't pull the loose thread too hard. <laughs> well, that was, that was absolutely delightful to hear from Ian like that. Ian, who's been a, a pal of uh, a number of our podcasts going, going a couple of years back. So what a, what a delightful message, eh, Pete? It is, you know, and, and he's been a stalwart guy uh, with us for a couple of years, and we're certainly thankful. It's great to, uh, to physically hear from him uh, in that sense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he sums up a lot of things um, that we knew we weren't going to sweat out of season two. It's, it's nice to finally know. It's nice that a TV show doesn't get, uh, you know, pulled out from under you like uh, so much rug. And, yeah, it would be excellent to see our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters uh, in the movies. I just don't know if that's going to pass, come to pass at least, yet. Well, what should come to pass is all our listeners head over to zort.co.uk where you can see some of Ian's great uh, kind of pop culture sci-fi uh, cult show, uh, different graphics work that he does. He also has a link to his cafe press store, and he does absolutely fantastic stuff. He does, and uh, a good a good pal to have. Uh, moving on, Pete. Here's an email from Henry. He said, "Lots went down at tonight's Agents of Shield, but I feel the need to draw this to your attention." Fitz, we never saw him after the Fury rescue. I trust Simmons when she says he's alive, but never going to be the same again. You think he'll go from genius IQ to average IQ or lower? If he does, it'll almost be as bad as him dying. Thanks for the podcast, and I will always stand with Fantastic Geek Agent Henry ready for another round this fall. So, people, I don't know if you saw the uh, BBC slash NB, uh, Netflix uh, series, Derek. Are we going to have kind of Fitz kind of playing a man of um, lower mental means? I think I've said everything I need to on this subject. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, here's another email from Kferg, uh, Sky Cree or Alien Origins. Bandwagon jumped. Billy is an LMD. Reina is she an alien or a mutant? Colson gets a promotion. What's in the box? So that certainly is a is a succinct message there. Yeah. Um, is Sky Cree Pete? No. Alien. Kinda. Uh, you hit Reina. Is Reina an alien or a special person? Because I can't say mutant. Uh, she is not a, a special person. Um, she's connected <laughs> with Sky, so kind of alien. Um, as for what's in the box, oh, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, we have an email. <laughs> it's Pepper Potts. Yes, Pepper, Pepper Potts is in Pepper that Potts. tiny box because we know that Gwyneth Paltrow will never be in another Marvel movie. So there you go. Well, plus in seven, it was her head. I, I get that. What's in the box? What's oh, in the no. um, we have an email from Donna who said, I did Colson fury. That's like all dot, dot, dot. Yes. You know. I have no coherent thoughts on tonight's episode. I was so overexcited during the commercials. I kept straightening up in the living room to try and stay calm. My husband thinks I'm crazy, which is normal. Can't wait for your podcast. See you too on Twitter. 
Um, we also have an email from Noah who says, okay, quick rundown of awesomeness. One, yep, that's a Humvee. Uh, that Humvee definitely has more fireworks. Two, May kicks butt as usual. Three, hey, Nick Fury. Four, ace in the hole. Nice. <laughs> Five, Garrett's alive. Oh, wait, he's dead. Six, director Phil Coulson. Has a nice ring to it. Now, one last question. What? More specifically, what the heck was Raina talking to at the end? Um, let's see. Noah suspects that he wasn't human, at least kind of as we know humanity to be. Um, and he says, uh, and just for fun, a personal uh, and what personal preference decisions, if any, uh, do you think Coulson will take when he's rebuilding Shield, and will it be rebuilt by the end of next season, Pete? Um, I would say even sooner than that. But, you know, what we're seeing Colson go through is certainly going to chip away at any progress. The end game, as we see it right now, is Avengers Age of Ultron. And to what extent S.H.I.E.L.D. will be involved there. We know that Samuel Jackson is in the film. Um, I don't want to say that his presence has been cheapened by being on the TV show because it's not. Um but that he has popped up twice on the TV show. All right. The character tells us not going to see you for a while. Um, you know, I'll keep my, uh, my one eye on you. I'll be everywhere. Um, you know, who's to say he can't pop up next year. Pete, uh, another email, this one from Mike Sorensen, who says, uh, thus endeth the beginning of the story for our small screen heroes. Ward's going away for a long time. Fitz is in rough shape. Deathbok is doing the anti-hero thing. And the rest of the team is left to put S.H.I.E.L.D. back together. Phil Coulson, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Didn't see that one coming, but I think it's a great move. I think it will only last until the next Avengers film when Fury will come back. But now there are questions. Um, is May his second in command? Or does he bring Maria Hill in? We've been positing that perhaps maria hill would join the cast uh, mm -hmm. if colby smolders was if she chooses to of course since all the way back literally from from the pilot episode um maybe bring hill in and put her in charge of the day-to-day -day stuff while director colson is out with his special response team sky simmons trip may and the better than ever leo fitz uh sky's parentage is more interesting reyna knows who she is enough to bring her picture to sky's father question mark um this could be the continuing story to run through at least the first half of the second season. Really nice bet there on Mike's part. Uh, it will be interesting to see what impact Guardians of the Galaxy has on this part of the story and the show overall. Uh, I don't think we're done with Ward yet. Something is likely to come up that only Ward has the answer to or something like that. I really like Brett Dalton, says Mike, and I think we all agree on that. But at this point, I'd be happy if they concluded that his character's story is done. Which, of course, is pete something we've discussed we like the actor a lot but don't keep him around if his character is metallurgical end uh i agree with mike i think it's going to be but only ward could do this right um only ward can help us hunt hydra or know the nature of gravitonium or something um mike continues and lastly let's talk about this let's talk about the script on the wall i know it was mentioned that we'd seen it in an earlier episode but i don't recall that i may have to look it up do we know is, you don't, Mike. We already told you. Good news. Mm -hmm. I spy. Um, do we know if uh, Sky's seen that script yet? Can she read it? I'm willing to bet uh, if she couldn't before, she can now after that Tahiti treatment. Also an interesting 
theory. I'll let you move on to other letters and other sparkling reviews that I'm sure you have flooding in. They're well-deserved since this is one of the most comprehensive recap reviews of a show I've uh, read, heard, or watched. Can't wait to see what the summer holds for Fantastic Geek. We'll definitely hear from you around August 2nd, right? And I'll be there for your season two as well. Make mine Marvel and fantastic Mike Sorensen. Um, touching. touching yes, Pete. very kind, nice. Kind words. Thank you, Michael. Make mine Mike. Um, <laughs> Pete, I guess now's as good as any to just quickly mention, and we still do have one more email and then reviews. And, you know, we, have, we have a whole bunch of other stuff to get to. Our Fantastic Geek uh, pop culture podcast feed and fantasticgeek.com will almost certainly have at least three uh, podcasts a month uh, starting in June. Um, well, absolutely, we're going to be talking about summer movies, of course, certainly opening weekend for Guardians of the Galaxy. We'll hit that um, show news as it comes up for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for Agent Carter, uh, just general pop culture stuff. Um, as I said, summer movies. We also have some other fun adventures planned. So hop on over to Fantastic Geek all summer. Hop on over to subscribing to our uh, pop culture podcast feed uh, ASAP because that's that's where the party is. Listen, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. may be going away for the summer, but we're always on and we will be continuing to produce content for you. So, yes, check it out. FantasticGeek.com. Pete, the last email here from David. He says, hey, Matt and Pete, such a great finale. I loved how everything was not tied up in it with a neat little bow, but instead already has us waiting for the second season. I wanted to make one comment about the noisemaker that Tripp and Coulson used. I thought this was just going to be a throwaway gag from last week, uh, but it turned out to be more than that. I don't know if those noisemakers mean anything to most people, uh, but for Jewish people, they're called groggers. They're used during the Jewish holiday of Purim, a holiday that is celebrated mainly by dressing up and wearing masks. Think of it like the Jewish Halloween, sort of. Anyway, I don't know if this was a, an intentional reference, but I find it very interesting that the noisemaker seemed to be a reference, uh, at least to me, of uh, to the wearing of masks, one of the literal and figurative themes in this episode. It's being a spy show. Anyway, I wanted to throw that tidbit in there. It was something I enjoyed. I thought maybe uh, I might be able to shed a little light on something small like that. Been listening to you guys all season. I'm sad that I won't have Fantastic Geeks podcast to listen to on my Thursday morning drives uh, uh, to work for a while. Keep up the great work and catch you guys in season two. So thank you, David. That certainly was an interesting take. I, I'm familiar. I mean, I've seen noisemakers like that before, mm -hmm. but I certainly didn't know that there was the uh, kind of the, the, the cultural uh, connection there. And given, you know, the association with the Howling Commandos in the 1940s, I think it takes on even greater meaning. Right. Wow, really nice theory there, Pete. Anyhow, shall we move on to uh, reviews? What do you got? We have a number of reviews for our final uh, episode tonight. The first was left by BH1138. The headline is Excellent Podcast about an excellent show, five stars. And it reads, I've been on board with AOS since the beginning, but when things got really kicked into high gear around the Winter Soldier, I decided to look for podcasts to get more weekly fixes of S.H.I.E.L.D. This show is the first and best one I found. It is well-organized, well-produced show with 
very interesting and insightful discussions and speculations. The hosts have a good rapport and consistently put out high-quality shows. Best of all, you don't have to wait long to hear their thoughts. Podcasts <laughs> are recorded and released the night, the night of each new episode. I think there was a little bit of a typo, but we'll take the emphasis on the night of the new episode. Keep up the great work, guys. Oh, and they get bonus points in my book for dropping Star Wars references on a regular basis. Well, may the force be with you. And uh, Pete, credit where credit is due. That it was your idea to uh, to do these episodes night of. And uh, there's nothing more thrilling than as soon as an episode is done, hopping on the old Skype machine and uh, sharing our thoughts. So uh, you deserve, you know, 60% of that credit <laughs> pie there, Pete. So one thing I'm not looking forward to next year is that it'll be pushed back a little bit later. But it is what it is. Um, next review is by uh, Mike in MN, which we can assume is uh, either Minnesota, if we're going postal or Maine. Uh, the headline is Great Shield Podcast, exclamation point, five stars. And it reads, I look forward to this podcast as much as the actual show. I watched wow. the show live because of it. Matt and Peter provide a very entertaining look back at each episode and a nice overview of the MCU context. Their interview with Clark Gregg is a real treat. Subscribe and listen. Bonus, do yourself a favor and check out the Looking Back at Lost podcast as well. I'm not quite sure what that refers to, but I agree with everything else that Mike and MN said. I agree that everybody should spend the summer heading over to lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. And uh, I wish I, uh, I, I thank you. Thank you, sir. That's all I will say. I won't wax eloquent about that particular fine podcast which by the way got really great at the end when they added the second guy for some of those music episodes that i won't disagree with <laughs> next review was left by righteous rob c the headline is hail matt and pete exclamation point five stars and it reads when i wanted to listen to some discussion on my new favorite show agents of shield i came across this podcast and and i am glad i did Matt and Pete provide enlightening commentary, witty banter, and comic-slash-movie-geek insight concerning Agent Coulson and his company. The debrief is delightful, the dossier is discerning, and Level 7 is illuminating. Keep up the great podcasting as we finish out Season 1 and head into Season 2 of Agents of... Dot, 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 question mark. I'll be listening. <laughs> I guess reference to who who uh, who might have won ahead of having seen uh, this finale episode that we've been discussing. Possibly, although this was left um, the day of the renewal, so not quite sure. Uh, maybe there was uh, some concern we wouldn't be coming back. Ah. Um, next one is left by N. Jamie. Uh, and the headline here is Agent Coulson Approved, five stars. I first listened to this podcast for the Clark Gregg interview and have been hooked ever since. Matt and Peter have a really great way of discussing the episodes in a way that is inclusive to fans with all level of MCU knowledge, highlighting the various references or Easter eggs that pop up in each episode. This is in addition 
to their recap, bad guy breakdown, and theories segments. They are both clearly fans of the Marvel Universe, which makes this podcast so much fun, but they still approach each episode with a critical eye without going totally hate-foo on the series. If you're looking (laughs) for a podcast that's going to discuss all aspects of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s universe, this is it. Wow. Kind words indeed. And the next review was left for us by Shemp Labs. The headline is Great Discussion, H.E.R.E. As in here. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, five-star rating as well. It reads, always enjoy an intelligent give and take by people uh, talking about one of my favorite shows at Shemp Labs. So short and sweet there. And thank you. Pete, kind, kind words from all these reviews. Are there any more reviews? There are not, which means there's only one more thing to review, Matt. What is that, Pete? In a hat in front of me, I have all of our entrants uh, gracious enough to review us uh, throughout this last promotion in our iTunes review raffle. And I am now going to reach in and pull out a name which will come away with the uh, Funko Pop vinyl Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Coulson bobblehead doll. And I have all the e- the, the, the emails of the people who, who said, hey, here's my iTunes name. So as soon as you read the name, Pete, I will quickly type and we'll be able to reveal the person's name. And uh, the moment has come. All right. Give, drum, give it a shake, Pete. Let, drum let's roll. Hear it on the, What's that? I said drum roll. Drum roll. I have the winner in my hand, and it is... Oh, here we go. I was flipping it over. It is Mark Amargo. Congratulations, Mark. Uh, the winner. I'm, just, I'm actually looking at your looking at your email right here. Um, so I'll be able to to get in touch with you. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll do it now before I go to bed, Pete. So that way nobody mm-hmm. forgets. And uh, Pete, I'll I'll send his address on to you, and uh, we'll get that that Colson in the mail. Thank you to everybody who entered. And please don't feel the need to stop uh, reviewing us on iTunes just because you can't win anything for it. Uh, we love your reviews. We thrive on your reviews and you help us with those reviews and you help other people find this podcast. So it truly is your, your giving is reciprocal. And Pete, we don't want our, our other friends to feel left out. And, uh, this is something you and I had discussed a while ago. Uh, the people who have, uh, sent in a review for this contest, which, which, uh, Mark has now won and now has come to its conclusion, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in touch with everybody. Probably at a slight delay because I've been uh, slightly lax in the button department. But indeed, you're all gonna get a button from the podcast that we'll send out your way. So look for that email as well. And um, I guess with that, Pete, here we are. We've concluded the uh, concluded the first season of Agents of Shield podcasting. It each night it aired. Uh, congratulations, sir. Thank you. It's it's been a long road. We've never done twenty two uh, episodes of one season. Um, I don't know if we knew at the start if we could or even if we would, given uh, some of our earlier projects. But uh, it's nice to 
finish this, it's also nice to know we will be back next year and there'll be a lot more where this came from. Absolutely. I'll just repeat one more time that uh, we are going to be doing plenty of podcasts and content on the uh, Fantastic Geek Pop Culture Podcast. Uh, You can search that through iTunes. We have links on fantasticgeek.com. And uh, we got a great summer ahead of us. Pete, it's been a thrill doing this season kind of concurrent. Uh, I won't I won't rehash the past, but, you know, I, having had experience with a, uh, a lost rewatch podcast, um, that was one experience. This has been a different one. Each Tuesday night has been a thrill as I look at the clock and go, OK, it's 7.55. We have nothing for a podcast yet. And it all comes together. So uh, it's been a ton of fun. Absolutely. Now, Pete, now we get to the moment that people actually have been waiting for. How can they get in touch with you on the Twitter? 3,342 followers. Can't be wrong. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. I can be found personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost. Uh, of course, the uh, the Fantastic Geek Twitter is Fantastic Geek. You can send emails to fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave comments on the webpage, fantasticgeek.com. And with that, Pete, we have covered everything. This is almost certainly our longest uh, podcast to date. And uh, fitting indeed with all the, uh, the hoopla of the season finale. And uh, with that, Pete, I give you your final word. I'll be everywhere. Hey Pete, what what you doing there? I thought we were gonna go out for our post season one soiree. Pete, what you writing on the wall there? Pete, is that a knife in your hands? <laughs>